from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to download our ministry smartphone app. You can watch all of our programs as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. And it's all free. Just go to the App Store for your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. There's a popular phrase you might have heard that goes, I'll believe it when I see it. Some people are more doubtful than others and are not easily convinced. While a certain amount of skepticism is healthy, it can be carried to absurd lengths. For instance, despite all the evidence, there are some skeptics who think the moon landings were fake. There is even a group of people who think that Elvis Presley's death was faked. There are always going to be skeptics everywhere you look. Throughout the history of Christianity, there have been many famous skeptics of the faith. Some skeptics were philosophers, such as Epicurus, the Greek philosopher who was a materialist, believing that only matter exists and nothing more. Another famous skeptic would have been the French writer Voltaire. Near the end of his life, Voltaire wrote, Every sensible man, every honorable man, must hold the Christian sect in horror. Then, of course, you have the more recent skeptics, such as Christopher Hitchens, a famed atheist who wrote many best-selling books defaming Christianity and other religions. Unfortunately for these famous skeptics, they lived their lives with a skepticism that was based on a blind ideology rather than upon evidence, and they never opened their eyes to the truth. While many of these skeptics are well known, the most famous skeptic was a man who walked side by side with Jesus himself. But unlike the other famous skeptics throughout history, this man had his eyes opened and his life changed forever. Here now is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, Thomas the Skeptic. Our scripture lesson is found in the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. John 20, starting with verse 24. The events take place on that first Easter Sunday evening when Christ has shown himself alive to the disciples, and now they are with him again in the upper room. May we hear the inspired word of the living God. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
And may God speak to us today through his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. I suppose that many of you think that it's easy to be a minister of Jesus Christ. To live in a glass house, to have yourself and your whole family scrutinized regularly by a congregation, to feel the hostility of the world expressed specifically against you, to have your life even threatened as mine has been. I suppose you think all of that is easy. Well, I can assure you that is not. Now, before I get into my message today, there is something that I need to discuss. Did I or did I not deny that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? I really don't want to shock some of you that are not aware of this, but the fact is, yes, I did. Now, before you wrap yourself so tightly in your robes that you strangle yourself, I think there's some things you ought to hear. First of all, I loved him. I followed him wherever he led. Furthermore, I gave up my home to follow him. I gave up my job to follow him. As I said, my life was threatened because of him. Have you that have been criticizing me and adding that accursed appellative to my name, have you done that? I sincerely doubt it. Now, I know that many of you think you know me well. Some of you, of course, don't know me at all. So probably I should introduce myself to you. My last name is Didymus. In case you don't know, that means a twin. I suppose that there are many here that didn't even know I had a twin brother. That's what you know. My first name is Thomas. No, it's not doubting. Some of you can't even say my name anymore without adding that prefix, doubting Thomas. Well, you weren't there. You didn't see what I saw. I saw him betrayed. I saw him captured. I saw, saw him bound, led away, tried, condemned, scourged, and nailed to a cross. But I thought even then, now, Lord, rip those spikes out of that wood and sweep all of these, your enemies, into hell. But what did he do? He let his head slump onto his breast. His chest ceased the agonizing heaving in an attempt to get air, and the slow drip drip, drip of his blood ceased. But then I realized 
Jesus was dead. And with him, I died as well, spiritually. I've not prayed from that day on. All my hopes were gone. My sky was slate gray. Life had no meaning or purpose. I didn't even want to get with the disciples when they decided to meet again. And I went to my own room to sulk and lick my wounds. It was about three days later, as I was just crawling into bed, I heard many footsteps outside my door. And I thought, it is the temple police have come. They're gathering up the apostles and now me in order to kill us as well. And then I heard this pounding on my door. Realizing there was no place to flee, I opened the door and to my astonishment, it was the apostles, all of them except Judas. And they were jumping up and down and waving their arms and all screaming at one time. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And then I picked out two words. He's alive. At that point, I said, stop right there. Who is alive? They said, Jesus, he's alive. And I said, Jesus is dead. I saw him. I saw the dead body, the glazed eyes, the complete white skin with all of the blood drained out, the stiffened limbs. Jesus is dead. That I know more than, better than anything else. And except I were to put my finger into the nail prints in his hands and thrust my hand into the spear wound at his side, I will not believe. And I ushered them out of my room and went to bed. And in that week that followed, it was as if everything in life had died for me. There was no reason for getting up. There was no future, no hope. Everything had died with Jesus. I went to town to get some supplies in the middle of the week. And to my amazement, I heard people whispering, saying, He's alive. Have you heard? Jesus, the Nazarene, he's alive. He's been seen. And I thought to myself, those idiots, they've spread this foolishness around and they're going to get us all killed. Which is probably why when they invited me to come back and dine with them the following Sunday, that I agreed to go just so I could stand up and tell them the stupidity of what they were doing and they were going to get all of us killed. And I went to the room that night. It was in the same upper room. And I told them exactly how I felt. Do you know what they said? They didn't argue. They simply smiled condescendingly like you would smile at a five-year-old who says something foolish because he, he just doesn't understand. Finally, I gave up in disgust and turned away from them and entered into my own thoughts and reverie. I remember that day a week and a half ago when we all sat in this same upper room and Jesus was here. I remember those marvelous words, 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. And I, Thomas, said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And he looked right at me, right at Thomas, and said those words you love. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as I sat this night in that upper room, I said to myself, if that is true and Jesus is the only way to the Father, then one thing is certain. No one will make it to the Father because He, Jesus, is dead. And it was at that point that I suddenly was jerked out of my reverie back into awareness of the fact that all of the chattering conversation which had gone on for almost an hour had suddenly stopped. And it was absolutely silent in the room. And I looked across the table, and all of the apostles were looking right at me. I was startled. And then, upon closer inspection, I noticed they weren't looking at me. They were looking past me at something on the other side of the room. And a sudden chill went through my body a wave of terror and fear. I almost could not move, but I forced myself to slowly turn to see what it was. And there, on the other side of the room, in deep shadow, apart from the reach of the candlelight, there stood in that darkness a figure clothed in white. And suddenly, I understood. I understood what was happening. This was a cruel, sick joke that these men were playing on me because I was not there last week. And I started to stand up and tell them what I thought of them and stomp out of the room when all of a sudden that figure stepped out of the shadows and into the light. And I saw him. I saw his face. And I said, that is Jesus. But it can't be Jesus. Jesus is dead. But he is alive. He's actually walking. Dead men don't walk. It can't be Jesus, but it is Jesus. And suddenly, he extended his hands, palms open toward me, and spoke right to me these words. Thomas, reach hither thy finger and place it in the wounds in my hands, and reach hither thy hand and place it in the spear wound in my side, and be not faithless, but believe. My knees gave way. I crumpled to the floor and found myself looking right into, no, not into, but right through the gaping holes in his feet. And suddenly, it seemed that a breeze swept through my mind and swept all of the cobwebs of doubt away, and I knew that this indeed 
was Jesus. And I looked up into his face and I said, My Lord and my God. And I was transformed. Jesus said unto me, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are all of those which have not seen and yet have believed. Doubting Thomas, you say, you better get it straight. I never want to hear those words from your mouth again. It is doubtless Thomas that you're looking at because I know beyond any doubt that death is not the end, the grave is not our final destination, but that I shall live again and live forever in the mansions of paradise that he hath gone to the cross to prepare. And I went a long way that perhaps many of you don't even know about. I traveled thousands of miles and everywhere I went I preached about the risen glorified Christ who has overcome death and delivered us from the tomb. I went to India where I had a phenomenal ministry and, and the church that exists in India today sprang from my witness there. I will rise again just as my Savior and Lord rose from the dead. Yes, my friend, you can say the same thing. You can be absolutely certain that you have eternal life if you do not disbelieve. You know, many people suppose that unbelief is not a great sin, a peccadillo at best, and in some circles unbelief is viewed as a virtue. I have noticed that in your society today, unbelief is rampant. Among certain groups, it's looked on as a badge of honor. In fact, if you should say that you believe, you might be looked on contemptuously by them. They do not realize that unbelief is the parent of all sin. Are you an unbeliever? It is so rampant, widespread in our society today. It's no longer like a pestilence that walketh in darkness. It is more like a destruction that wasteth at noonday. It's in every kind of societal gathering it's in your television, on your radio, in your magazines, in your newspapers. Unbelief, which though God is infinitely just, He's also merciful and extends mercy to any of those of us who will trust in the one that He gave to pay for our sins because all sin will be dealt with by the judge of all of the earth and will be punished but the offer of mercy is real and can be received by anyone simply by faith in Christ. But by unbelief, 
a person places himself outside the pale of God's mercy. And there remains nothing but the grim final condemnation of sin. Did Jesus say that? These are the words of Christ. You decide. He that believeth not is intelligent, intellectual, no, is condemned already. He that believeth not can get to heaven anyway. No, he that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you believe, he said, that I am not he, ye shall die in your sins. Yes, unbelief is the father of all sin, and it's the one thing that will keep us from the mercy of God. Ah, but dear friend, on this celebration of the resurrection, are there any here who do not have that blessed assurance of life eternal, who are still in their unbelief, who are under the cloud of God's justice, holiness, and wrath for sin? Oh, in the name of Jesus, I invite you, as he invited me, to come to receive him, to kneel before him, to trust in him as your Lord and your God and your Savior. And you, too, may doubtless be. Let us pray. Father, I pray today for any here who may yet not know what will happen to them, who are yet under the sway of the king of terrors, that hollow-eyed, link-jawed skull called death, which has kept men in fear all of their lives. O Lord, may they turn to Christ and find in him the deliverance from sin and death and sorrow forevermore. May they receive everlasting life this very day, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God, my Savior and my friend, I believe that what you endured at Calvary you endured for me. I believe that you have paid for all of my sins and there are none yet to be paid for. I believe that I am forgiven and pardoned and have been given indeed a deed to a mansion in paradise. And for that, I thank you and ever will. In thy name, amen. Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, senior pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, which was founded by Dr. D. James Kennedy. I hope you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy. And if you did, here's what Jesus says about you. He who believes in me has everlasting life. That is God's promise to you now and forever. And to help you begin to grow in your faith, we want to send you the book, 
beginning again, written by Dr. Kennedy for new believers. In these pages, you'll learn how to read and study the Bible, how to pray, and even how to tell others about the decision that you have just made. It's our gift to you when you write to the address on your screen or call our toll-free number. Just be sure and ask for Beginning Again, and may God bless you. As you've just seen, doubt about the resurrection of Christ is nothing new. In our day, many people disbelieve the biblical account of Jesus, thinking that science somehow disproves miracles, or that evolution has proved that there is no God. That simply is not true. But do you know how to answer those objections? Far from hiding from skeptics, the Christian faith actually welcomes honest doubt. Come investigate the evidence, say the scriptures. Dr. D. James Kennedy helps you do that in his classic book, Skeptics Answered. In it, he addresses the most common arguments that have kept people from the Christian faith and lays out the case for believing in Christ all in clear, easy-to-read language. It's perfect to share with those you want to come to faith in Christ, and it will also bolster your own faith. We'll send you Skeptics Answered by D. James Kennedy as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. What if someone asked you how there can be pain and suffering in the world if God is good? Or how Jesus can be the only way to God? Would you know how to answer objections like these? Skeptics Answered will equip you to address these and many other common questions and is ideal to share with a seeker in your life. And if you give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will thank you by sending you Skeptics Answered plus the special DVD program, Cross Purposes. This compelling program explores the biblical prophecies about Christ and his sufferings and examines common misunderstandings about the crucifixion and the resurrection. Why was Jesus' death on the cross necessary? And what did it accomplish on our behalf? These questions lie at the very heart of the gospel. There are so many riches in the cross of Christ, and the DVD of this program, Cross Purposes, digs deep into the Bible and history to bring them to life for you. We'll send you the book, Skeptics Answered, by D. James Kennedy, as well as the DVD program, Cross Purposes, as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more. And as you give, you will be helping us to broadcast the gospel and stand and fight for the truth of the Bible in this time when our religious liberties are under fire. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.